Hey guys, this is Table Talks with Ataris, an inside look at the everyday conversations we have at our table. I'm Ash. I'm MJ. And today we talked about Daniel Tiger. We didn't really just stay there, love. Yeah, we talked about the power of music. We covered everything from Mr. Rogers to Instagram. That's right. (laughs) And, you know, just the way that music is very formative, Mm -hmm. the way that children are aware of the times that we're on our phone yeah uh, what are appropriate levels of exposure to things and helping children or in this case our you know evie navigate through just the knowledge that she's gleaning or the things that she's learning and being able to focus on what's important what's not right um modeling good behavior things like that and yeah how how daniel tiger and other forms of media help shape the world around her right because we're actually having to think about that now because right. she's very aware of technology and our interaction with it. So these are important conversations that we're needing to have now. Yep. So a lot to get through. I always say that. A lot to get through. Hope you Here enjoy. Hope you enjoy. <laughs> yeah. So I think we wanted to talk about how um, Evie's at an age now where you know, she's actually retaining the things that she's seeing and watching and listening to. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that I've noticed and that I think is pretty cool that just coincided with where we're at right now is in one of the shows in particular with Daniel Tiger that some of the songs that are being sung, she's she's remembering. Mm-hmm. And it just is coinciding with the fact that whatever set of episodes were going coming out at that time that judah was born mm-hmm. you know this is a cartoon character who is also having who's learning to be a an older brother to his sister margaret and these songs that are being taught and i've just seen just like that evie's catching on to the principles that this show is teaching with how to be a brother to this character's sister and Evie is taking that on and really is just exemplifying that for who she is as a big sister. I mean, I thought, man, what a simple but also very profound way of teaching that really stood out to me because a lot of the songs that were taught, she was like reciting back while right. she was helping Judah out. And I can't even think of the songs that... I think one of them that was really helpful in that time... And I guess just to kind of clarify what Daniel Tiger is, it's like a mm-hmm. spinoff of Mr. Rogers right. and the characters within Mr. Rogers. Yeah. And so Daniel Tiger is the tiger that he used to use when he was like talking with kids or whatever. Mm-hmm. So anyways, it's kind of spun off of that. But, and I'll say that Evie was really struggling with... The transition, I mean, every you know, we all were struggling with how do, how are we a family of four now? Mm-hmm. But for Evie in particular, she was really wrestling with the transition. It was hard for her to all of a sudden not have mama's full attention. Right. Um, and now I am completely preoccupied with the full care of a newborn. And so Evie, you know, that was a period of time where Evie was having a lot of meltdowns and tantrums and it was rough. And like you said, it just happened to coincide with Daniel Tiger getting this baby sister, you know, having this baby sister, Margaret, appear. And in one episode in particular, 
Evie immediately was very interested in the show because it was as if she understood the relevance of it to her situation, which was amazing that our two-year-old could comprehend that in and of itself. Yeah. is just like points out the impact of like how powerful like these things can influence, you know? Right. And there was an episode where Margaret kept crying and every time dad or mom would try to spend time with Daniel, they would have to like, they would be interrupted and have to go see Margaret. And that was literally the experience that I was having with Evie like every day. Yeah, yeah. And the little jingle they sing, this was like a really long way of saying, here's the jingle. It's, uh, there's room for you and baby too. Yeah. And Evie started singing that. I know. And it was just, I don't know, I just started noticing this change in her behavior of maybe, I don't I don't even know really what was going on in her mind, to be honest. Like, yeah. I honestly don't know what was going on in her little mind. Yeah. But I do know that watching the episodes unfold of Daniel learning how to interact with Margaret yeah. and how to transition from having mom and dad's attention to now there's this sharing with Margaret and how Daniel could play a helping role in, in taking care of Margaret. Yeah. Started to affect her. I, I saw a change in her behavior for the better. Yeah. She would sing these little jingles when she would find herself in the same kind of situations. All of a sudden, mm-hmm. sudden she would come out with this song and I'm like, what are you singing? And then mm-hmm. I would remember, oh, that's exactly what they said on Daniel Tiger. Mm-hmm. I think another one is, whatever you do, think about what other people need to. Yeah. Or, you know, yeah. oh, the one that she says a lot too is, thank you for, for everything you do. Yeah. And it's so sweet to all of a sudden start hearing yeah. her say these things. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, th- I think with the songs that she was starting to recite and sing back, it just reminded me of how, you know, everything out there, like, is there anything truly just neutral hmm. morally? Yeah. Or, you know, can you make the argument that everything that, is conveyed to you every type of media, every book, every song teaches you something about the way you should view the world around you. Mm. And it was at that moment where I was seeing Evie um, regurgitate the songs that I was recognizing that, wow, she's really being shaped, whether or not it's just actually memorization or if she's actually emulating or if it's something where, you know, she's actually understanding what is happening and Mm -hmm. that, that compassion or that, empathy that you should express or have towards your siblings. She's actually like understanding that. I don't know where she's at with that because, you know, she's two years old, but the fact that that is helping her shape the way she should view the world around her reminded me of how important it is to recognize that all forms of media don't stand morally neutral, right? That they shape your view of the world around you in some form of way. Yeah. And, I think it has to be for it to be actually a meaningful piece of literature or culture. I mean, a meaningful piece of literature or art form. It should shape your, you know, shape the way you view the world. Otherwise, why I, I you can make the argument that it's pointless right. if it's if there's no um, deeper expression of what the world is around you. Mm-hmm. And so, what I've noticed too is that songs are especially powerful because they're easily retained. And she's singing them around the house. Mm-hmm. 
and it's very sweet that she's saying those, you know, singing those things. I love hearing that, but it also reminded me of like even just like the songs that we're playing. Yeah. Like around the house. Yeah. That we have going on, you know, while you get ready for dinner or the things that we have while we're all hanging out in the den. The music that may just seem something that we, you know, think of as neutral actually is not, especially when there's lyrics involved. Right. It was just something that I became more and more conscious of, which which leads me to, the, you know, just this trail that I like this path of thinking where, man, as parents, what is our role and, and how important is it for us to take, to be aware of like how the media that's around us shaping, you know, the way that our kids view the world mm-hmm. and, and how important, like why we need to take that into consideration. Well, part of it is because it's, it's telling your child a version of how they should view the world around them. Right. What you're seeing with study after study of after study with like anxiety going up with um, more and more adolescents using social media. Right. And that having, they're all bearing a message of like what the world is and the anxiety that it's causing. Yeah. You know, what What role do we play as parents even today mm-hmm. where Evie's hopefully years away from, you know, owning her own phone, having a social media account and preparing her well to be able to navigate that with success in terms of allowing, you know, knowing the power of what those forms of technology will right. do to her. Yeah, this is something that I feel like we are having to wrestle with now because we, I'm seeing it even in ways where when Evie was first born or even Judah, who's a similar kind of thing, you're spending so much time rocking them to sleep. You're spending so yeah. much time, you know, for me, I was spending so much time nursing that you're, you're like on your phone in that time. So you don't fall asleep, right. you know? Right. And so I'm like scrolling or I'm listening to podcasts or I'm doing something, but it's on my phone. So a lot of my parenting Mm -hmm. is caregiving, but there's not a lot of an awareness from the child that I'm caregiving and also on my phone Mm -hmm. at the same time. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm entering a stage with Evie where she's very aware of any time I'm on my phone and she hates it. Yeah. She, I remember there was this one moment I had where I recognized like, wow, this is something I have to deal with for myself. Like what are my boundaries with my phone usage? Because I had this moment with Evie where I was so exhausted. Evie was sitting, you know, maybe playing with trains or something. And, and Jude was laying on the floor having some tummy time and with her and like had his toys and I'm sitting there with them. They're occupied. I got my phone and I'm like scrolling. Yeah just trying to like mind numb the moment because I'm like, I just like, I just need a reset. Yeah. (laughs) Like I've been on for like too long and I need a reset, you know? And so like my go-to without realizing it was just like doing this mindless like phone thing, you know? And Evie came up to me and she said, mom, she grabbed, she went and she grabbed her. She has like a little fake phone. Mm -hmm. She grabbed it and she came to me and she said, mama, can you talk to me? I have my phone. Hmm. And I realized like it was such a moment of just like, man, I'm so like ashamed in this moment. My yeah. child's calling me out on this behavior. Right. <laughs> like I'm on my phone. She like obviously wants to play with me. She wants my attention and yeah. she recognizes the way she can get it is if she has a phone as well. And I can talk to her on her phone with my phone, yeah. you know, and it's just like, 
wow, I really need to think of like now I can't parent. I can't even parent the way I was with them before because Evie is so aware of this, you know, and it's affecting her in really negative ways. She hates anytime I'm on my phone, not giving her attention. Mm -hmm. She hates when I have to make phone calls and she's not like involved in it, you know? So the phone is becoming something I have to increasingly think about as it relates to my, even just my usage alone on it. Yeah. Or like if I scroll through a video and it starts playing, you know how right. like when you're scrolling through and like all of a sudden like a, if your volume's yeah. on the video starts playing, sometimes there's just stuff I wouldn't want her little ears to hear. Right. Even if you catch it in a moment, you know, it's like the first word is just something where you're like, oh gosh, I hope she doesn't repeat that now, you know? Yeah. Or ask me what that word is, you know? And it's just, it's something that I feel like now we're really, where before we can kind of get away with not really deciding yeah. or being intentional of like what are we doing with our right how do we think about this yeah what are we model not only like how do we think about it but like what are we modeling right and we'll just deal with that when she's older and have, mm-hmm. has her own phone mm-hmm. you know <laughs> now i'm having to deal with it because like she's very aware right and that's that's what i'm saying is that there's this sense of immediacy that even though she is maybe years away from having her own social media account the habits that she is seeing around her that we have yeah. is shaping yeah, the way sure. she views the world. For sure. And I think this ties in perfectly with, you know, there was, there's this research report that was written on Mr. Rogers and like why he produced such a helpful learning environment for children. Hmm. And, you know, during each episode of his, this is what the research report said, during each episode of his television program, Rogers wore a sweater, spoke directly into the camera he maintained predictable routines, doing the same things and singing the same songs at the beginning and at the end of each episode. He knew that routines build trust and that trust helps children feel relaxed and ready to learn. Hmm. And that bleeds over into how I'm thinking about how the things that the routines that we have, yeah, either, you know, or the lack of routines that we have, right, either help build that trust for children to feel like they are relaxed and they have the ability to learn or they feel like they have to always be on guard because of the unpredictability of an evening or the unpredictability of their morning. And so, you know, I've always thought it was just Evie who likes her routine. Mm -hmm. And, you know, maybe it is because, you know, I I like my routines too. Yeah. But there's something about, you know, more broadly that's been researched and seen that's evident that routines actually ease a ch- child's thought or thought processes because they can ex- know what to expect next yeah, and they feel relaxed and ready to learn. And that like the lack of that where maybe, you know, for lack of a better term, the, the way that she sees us work with technology is out of the context of her routine yeah, or how she's used to seeing it yep. brings about that behavior in her where we're seeing things that are out of the ordinary. Yeah. Right. Where, you know, like say for like that phone call that you have to schedule a doctor's appointment with for Judah. Yeah. She starts acting out and screaming. Yep. In the background. In the background <laughs> while you're on the, th- on right. the phone with the yeah. doctor. Yeah. Without giving that like prompting, you know, and, and you can give as much as you want, but still there's like this sense of like, this is out of the ordinary where mom doesn't usually talk to the doctor at between breakfast and yeah. when Graham comes upstairs. Yeah there's this sense of like she feels like it's like a hostile environment almost even though it's not yeah it's just not something that she's used to right and you see her act out dude because of that right 
It also makes me wonder, like, what does she actually think? This is like a a side topic, but I'm just actually genuinely curious about what does she think about that? Mm -hmm. And what is that communicating to her? How is that adding to her framework of how she thinks about relationships? Because how bizarre is it actually to think about like having this device that I'm putting up to my ear and I'm like talking into it. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, is that just like make believe to her? Yeah. But that's how I'm modeling like some interactions I have relationally with people, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I don't know. That's just like a weird thing to think about is like, what does Evie actually think about it all? You know, if we could like crawl into her brain. Yeah. What does she actually think about mom and dad being on the phone and, and you know, mm-hmm. am I just like pretending? Does she feel like I'm mm-hmm. being dishonest when I say, oh, I have to like make this phone call or I have to mm-hmm. text like, please be and quiet. Even. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's just interesting. And I think you and I know really easily how like what feels like a moment on your phone actually like, you know, you're scrolling through social media or yeah. through Reddit or whatnot. And boom, an hour later, you don't even know you spent an entire hour or whatnot. Yeah. And that in your just mindlessly going through it and consuming it, the rest of the world, and in this case, our children, right? Right. Yeah. Can feel every single moment passing by that we are sticking our faces into these devices that are taking up so much of our time, which it doesn't feel that way to me when I'm going through it. And so, you know, it's really a... It's, it's really a challenge for us to have to try and communicate to her in our behaviors yeah. that she actually is more important than whatever it is that we have on our phones. And so the ways that we've been trying to address that is like having times between, you know, set times where, and obviously we don't do this perfectly, yeah but like between when, when we have dinner, sit down and have dinner together till when the kids go to bed you know, to really as much as possible, put the phones down and put them away. And, and you know, you've had to keep me in check for that several times. Mm-hmm. And, and we just like have to hold each other to that because like I said, everything that, you know, is communicated has some sort of message right. attached to it and right. how Evie interprets the world around her. And we are her primary teachers, right? Yeah. In, in helping her understand what's, What's the top priority? What are some of all the input inputs that I'm receiving mm-hmm. at, at my in my two year old brain? What should I be considering is important or unimportant? And if if dad is on his phone so much, that must be very important. Right. Right. And that's not that's not true. Yeah. But if it's if you look at how Evie is observing the way I'm budgeting my time and how much of it I'm allocating towards the phone. Yeah then that communicates to her that it, it, it bears this level of importance that in her life she might think is important when she gets older as well. Right. Because she saw that being modeled by her dad when she was younger. Right. I think something else that's really hard at this stage is just how she internalizes everything. Right. And so even she and I had this encounter the other day where we had, you know, come off the heels of this family vacation. You had had extended time off from work. It was just such a wonderful time. Mm -hmm. We had an amazing time together. And your first day back, she was just, she, she was 
it was a horrible day. Let me just say that. Yeah. She was acting out. She was not listening. She was throwing tantrums. I knew something was off. And I just figured it was like routines, you know? We yeah. just got to get back into like the routine. And finally, I sat down with her. She was just bawling. And I said, Evie, you know, what's going on? And she said, I miss Dada. Hmm. And I said, I, I miss Dada too. It's hard for him to be at work when we spent so much time with him, huh? And she said, does he not want to spend time with me? And I think that's the hard thing about this stage of parenting that we can even input all the right things. It's not like you going to work is a bad thing at all. And yet in her mind, she's wrestling out, like what does dad going to work mean in relation to his relationship with me? Mm -hmm. And she internalizes that. Mm which is a very hard thing because unless you can hear like that process happening, yeah. you can't help reframe those thoughts in their actual reality, yeah. you know? And so how much more so would something, you know, that's, that's not something where you're inputting something that's negative, yeah. you know, how much more so when we are spending time on our phone and that's like, it's a, it's a more blatant, like I'm choosing, I'm in your face, <laughs> like in right. front of you, right? I'm choosing something else to invest my time in something else other than you right now. How much more would that communicate? And might she have the ability to internalize that, you know? Right. Yeah, I think how we're seeing her learn to identify what's what are some things I should focus on, what are some things I should consider important, what are some things that are not necessarily important. You know, just even just like little things. I, it makes, I make it sound like she's this great two-year-old philosopher. <laughs> but just even like tiny things, like if you don't wipe your breadcrumbs on your shirt. Yeah. Use a wipe instead. Right. And just like helping distill all of those things that may seem just something to do naturally right. as right or wrong. You know, there's there's roles that we play as parents in helping her just navigate that because it's it's wiping your hands on a shirt today. Right. But then it's like making these larger decisions in the future yeah absolutely and if she doesn't see us help her be like a guide Mm -hmm. then we are a less and less pronounced voice in her you know in her aid of decision decision making in the future yeah because these other things will start to come in you know and and right now it's great daniel tiger is a great influence relative to in that case how she is viewing her role as a bigger sister to judah yeah but you know once you start throwing in social media and short form videos and and all these other things that are being thrown at us that you and i recognize how like one the addictive properties of it the worldview shaping properties of it and then also just like how much there is just generally yeah where it's difficult for you know even you and i sometimes to to prioritize what's important and what's not for myself for ourselves let alone for our children yeah you know there's there's a sense of like somebody's going to tell our child what's important yeah uh somebody's going to have a a version or a story of how that she should be viewing the world around her and as much as possible you know, I want to set her up for success and being yeah. able to do view the world correctly. Yeah. It it starts off with these little things where yeah. 
you know, the, the rhythms that we are showing as a family with how we treat technology ourselves, the TV shows she is taking in right now, to like things that we are singing around the house. Yeah. Because I've, I'm also just like learning how like important music is. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I think is hilarious right now is that she, she loves that song by ACDC, the, the Thunderstruck song. I don't know what it was about that song. Which is, I think we just randomly played it. Or I don't really I don't remember know, the context. I don't remember, but it's literally just that thunder. Yeah. Yeah. She just wanted to play that song every single night for <laughs> dinner time. And so we'd have ACDC playing in the background while, while we're having dinner. Yeah. And she's screaming thunder every like eight <laughs> beats. And, and so that tells me that there's something so powerful about music in such a good way. Yeah. Right? But it also but is like, very like. But what are the rest of the lyrics of this song? Yeah, and I, I what is she really, gonna repeat? Yeah, and I, I did look into the lyrics. I was like, man, these there's. Anyways, <laughs> um, yeah, we are we are slowly ushering her out of the thunderstruck days with ACDC, but it's hilarious right now. Yeah, but it's so true that like these things slip into our consciousness. The other example I have is even in just um, I was talking with a coworker about like. You know, he asked me, what, so what kind of music do you listen to while you're at the gym? I said, like, dude, I have to listen to like instrumental music or um, I listen to a podcast. And he was like, yeah, you know, sometimes I put up my high school playlist that I listen to. And like, I just know that like after a while, before you even know it, you're like singing the songs, you know, the lyrics that you didn't, you know, the music that you didn't listen to for years and years and years mm. and it brings you right back to that sp- to that time of your life mm. or maybe it's a time of your life you're not so proud of yeah so he's like man I-, I can't listen to it yeah and instrumental do you mean like it's not not like classical music just like no words you're saying instrumental edm <laughs> that's what i figured yeah. right okay i like to do my supersets on deadlifts with <laughs> johan sebastian bach but yeah, the Canon and D is really what helps me get through my workout. Um, yeah. And so there's, there's something about that, seeing that with Evie, with yeah. Daniel Tiger, that just opened my mind to just this like thought of like, wow, there's something in song. Yeah. There's something in like the routines that we place in our children, like only even within the show itself where yeah. the opening song is always the same. The closing song is always the same. The routines we have day to day to day. That's why like for us to work, th- to continue working on how could we set up our week in a way where, you know, we, we don't have to reinvent the wheel every Sunday night of like, oh, what are we going to do? What's right. this not going to look like? And that like when things do come up, it's almost like just moving pieces around of existing blocks that we've already identified or defined for each other. Yeah. And so that like our own personal needs are being met and things like that we just want to do every single week. Help and, and then like folding our children into that with like, you know, things like children's museums aren't open this day and this day. So we can make sure we can, you know, when they do get out, outdoor time, it's on this day and mm-hmm. folding those little things in to make sure that like, okay, these, these little deposits that we're making in our children's lives and how we're setting them up, you know, with the routine to, to be more conducive to a learning environment, really shaping the way they're going to view the world yeah. for years to come. Yeah. And I'm like just beginning to recognize the importance of that, not only in the routine, but 100% through like song itself and the power of music. Yeah. I think another 
thing that's just kind of like running through my mind is how much do I, mm-hmm. I don't know if shield is the right word Evie from, because I will, yeah. you know, even in Daniel Tiger, there are times where he yeah. acts out, he, you know, stomps around, he throws a fit, he, yeah. whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I don't really know if I want even getting ideas. About right. How to do, you know what I mean? Yeah. So there's that piece too of like, as a parent, how much do I keep from my child? And then what is appropriate exposure in a way that allows like teachable moments too, right. you know, where we can go back and be like, Hey, remember when that happened? Mm-hmm. You know, when we saw Daniel Tiger and, and thankfully in the show, I feel like it's, they do a pretty good job of, pointing out like that's not acceptable behavior here's what you should do instead yeah and i think evie's just having a hard time kind of making that connection right now in her development of like i know what i want to do but how do i do that in a moment when i'm like emotionally charged you know and so that's the challenge but then the question is well do we keep them from these kinds of things all all together you know what i mean and so that's another area that's like well what's appropriate what's age appropriate yeah the the reality is evie's going to be exposed to a lot right out of our presence you know what i mean from her peer groups or i cannot keep evie from every kind of situation that she would encounter nor do I think that's healthy for her or myself? You know, yeah. like I don't have that kind of control. And at the same time, like I want Evie to be able to make decisions for herself that are right out of my presence. And so how do I teach her that kind of like obedience piece versus just like compliance because mom said to do that and I'm going to have a consequence if I don't do that right now with mom, you know, but when mom's not around, then the story is different, you know? Yeah. And and it goes back to the thing that I was saying that like we as parents play a role in distilling the knowledge available, like all of the knowledge that's in the world and what needs to be emphasized in, in, you know, the things in the way that our children grow up, you know, and, and this what I wrote down is like empathy, honesty, love. We play in a, a role in arranging the ideas in some form of order. Yeah. And so purposefully removing any form of any like bad movies or bad songs, it's challenging to navigate that with in terms of what's age appropriate. But like I'm always of the camp of, you know. I think you and I are both towards you know, yeah, like that side of things. We, we want to expose because we want to show her that those things exist, right. like that chaos exists, that disorder exists, that evil exists. Yeah. Um, and so as, as much as age appropriate as possible, you know, I'd rather have her know that those things exist and have the ability to have a conversation about it yeah. rather than shielding her from it now. Right. And then her being totally like shell shocked by all the things that she did not see, like these other parts of knowledge that she did not know about growing up. Yeah. And then maybe not feeling comfortable to talk about those things with us because we didn't initiate those conversations. It was an experience that maybe happened outside of our presence, but because we were shielding her from that, like we didn't initiate that conversation. We weren't given the opportunity or or we didn't take the opportunity to maybe, you know? And so, yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. and, And so I think it's, it's, I think the key there is like 
what's age appropriate. Yeah. Right. And then like, are, are you, cause you can certainly go to an extreme where, yeah. I mean, shoot, like one great example right now is, uh, she keeps talking about, uh, monsters Inc. Yeah. She, and she loved that several months ago Yeah, and would always want to watch it. And now she's actually, she's starting to, her imagination is starting yeah. to kick in and she's starting to get it. Af- and so we've stopped watching it. Yeah. And it's, you know, and, and we've had to coach her through how like, no, like there are, <laughs> these are just believe. pretend. Yeah. Yep. And, and so like it, again, it just like shows you that these things are, you know, every form of media is, is teaching something about the way she should view the world around her. Mm-hmm. And we play a role yeah. in helping develop the things that are important Right. Or are unimportant or, you know, real or unreal. I think a lot of that comes down to what we model also, you know. And for me, I feel like what I'm reminded of over and over is that there was a role for me to play in imparting truth, Mm -hmm. helping her, you know, serving as a guide like you were talking about in her life as she's like going through the this process of learning and developing and making decisions for herself. She's experiencing independence and autonomy and all these things. and, And yet... More than what I ever say to her, I think, I think I can confidently say this. I think the gospel would be most practically made real to her in how in moments where not where I was the greatest example of love or like these things that you mentioned, like empathy, like Mm -hmm. in moments where I fail Mm -hmm. and I show her that I own that, that it's wrong and I apologize to her. Yeah. And I model for her, like, this is not okay. And like, I need to like write this. Yeah. You know, I need to repair what I yep. broke, you yeah. know? And ultimately, I am not the perfect or ultimate example of love for right. her. Even though, like, as her mother, I'm like, ain't nobody ever gonna love that girl more than I do. Mm-hmm. I'm not the perfect or ultimate example, Christ is. Mm-hmm. And his ability to love her far outloves mine. And I'm constantly reminded of that. Yep. That's why one of my goals this year is to have, like, actually have a boundary, like, plan for yeah. social media for myself, like, phone usage for myself. Right. Because I don't want to get to a point where now we are at a place where Evie is older, she does have her own device, and I'm asking her to do things that I've not modeled for her remotely, right. Right. you know? Like, that feels so hypocritical to me. And so I think that's a huge, huge piece of it mm-hmm. is like, what did I model for her? Yeah. Yeah. Every Up to the point that she gets her phone and now I'm asking her to operate with it a certain way. Like what yeah. every moment before that, like what have I modeled for her mm-hmm. and are my actions in alignment with what I'm asking her to do? Yeah. You know, I think that's a big piece of it too. Yeah. At the end of the day, are you going to ask, have to ask her do as I say, not as I do. Right. I think the last that I have on this is, um, related to body image because yeah, f- especially for Evie, Gosh, maybe not it, especially not for like Evie, <laughs> more likely for Evie more than it is, for Evie. Yeah. you know, as she is getting access to just the world of social media yeah. and what the world is going to tell her is a standard of beauty yeah, and shape her identity of how she sees herself. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't remember where I heard this from, but there's, 
just evidence that's coming out that's showing that girls at a very young age are really struggling with body image issues because of all the filters yeah. that are on social media now. And and these like flawlessly edited photos, yep. you know, that they can just like post in their highlight reels, you know, yep. to where now when they look in the mirror, they don't think they, they don't think the real them even looks beautiful. Like the, the flawless edited filtered me is the only one that I find acceptable now. And these girls yeah. are like really struggling with that in a very like serious and sad and sometimes harmful to themselves way, mm-hmm. you know? And so I feel the weight of that too as a mom. And some of that again is like, what what do I hold as a standard for myself as beauty? If, I, if I'm saying to Evie, you know, like you're beautiful just the way you are, but I'm obsessive about what I eat. I'm restrictive in calories. I'm constantly looking at my body. you like, Evie's going to see that. <laughs> and ultimately like, wow. I'm going to superimpose that on her, even if wow. I'm saying something differently. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, can Evie live up to the standard I even have for myself? Because that's what she's going to see. Right. And that those are the thoughts that she's going to internalize. Like, this is what mom actually sees as beautiful. And like, I don't live up to that. Hmm. But I can't even chase that myself, you know? And so like, I'm, again, that goes back to modeling. It's a lot of like what I'm not, mo- not modeling, like in the beauty industry. Like, yeah. What I'm actually modeling for, for her. her. But then also like, how am I aware of how these things like social media is structured with the filters and all the things? Yep. How is that actually impacting her mind and how she sees herself? Because that's going to be very influential to her as well. Well, hey guys, thanks for listening to this episode of Table Talks with the Tares. We'd love to hear from you. And if there's something you'd specifically like for us to talk about, visit honors underscore dot com slash table talks to let us know. And if this episode was helpful to you, be sure to subscribe and to also share it with a friend. We really appreciate your support. All music is from the OG MJ Tare. Join us next time for another conversation at our table.